And so the foundation of the church was built upon Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It all hinges on the work of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there would be no church. He single-handedly brought the church into existence. And I thought about that as I wrote those words. And I, I thought about, well, what about God the Father? And what about God the Holy Spirit? Yes, they're actively involved in the work of the church. But it was Christ Jesus who bore our sins upon the cross by himself. He paid the price of our sins. He was the one who died. He was the one who was buried. And he's the one that's resurrected back to life again. It was Jesus who bore our sins in his own body upon that tree. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, good morning. We're back in the book of Colossians, back in chapter 1 again. We're going to look at verses 15 through 20 today. Gonna look at the preeminence of Christ and these verses are so rich. I was imagining this morning as I was reading through once again that there are probably some doctors in theology that have written theses on just verses 15 through 18. We're only going to touch on a few of these things, but today I want us to see the personage of, of Christ, the profession of Christ, the position of Christ, and the peace of Christ, that Christ is preeminent over all things. And, but all things were also created through him and for him. And verse 16 continues, all things were created through him and for him. And there's a lot of prepositions that Paul used that it's by him, through him, for him, in him. And we'll see in verse 17, we'll see it again in verses 19 and 20, that everything is, is triggered by Christ Jesus. All things not only created through him, but for him. It was created for him, for his great pleasure. Proverbs 16, 4 says, The Lord has made all for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. God's made everything, even those who will be cast into hell. God created them. Isaiah 43, 21. This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Now that's specifically talking about the nation of Israel. This people I have created for myself, they shall declare for my praise. Today, we might say that it's talking about the church, 
This people I've created for myself, they will declare my praise. And Paul closes. Well, it's not the closing of Romans, but it has that sense of a closing where he says in Romans eleven thirty six, for of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That it's all about Jesus. And in Jesus, verse 17, all things consist. For he is before all things and in him all things consist. And so Jesus was not only with the Father at the beginning, not only stands in preeminence as the creator of all things, in him all things consist, simply stating that without Jesus, everything would fall apart. Now let me ask you a question. Is that not true for your own lives? Without Jesus, everything would fall apart. It's true for the whole universe that he's holding it all together. He not only holds us together, but he holds the whole universe together. And John in his gospel in John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5, speaking of the creative work of Christ, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It's all about Jesus. All things. All things. How many things can you put in the phrase all? Everything, right? All things. And so the profession of Christ, Jesus created all. All was created through him, for him, and in him all things consist. The position of Christ, he dealt with in verses 15, 16, and 17, he dealt with the creative capacities of the world, we could say. God's work in creation through Christ Jesus, created uh, through him and for him. Now he's moving over. Christ is preeminent over all his creation. Now he's changing and shifting over to the church. And he's really stressing the importance of Christ as the head of his church here. And so the position of Christ, he is, he is the head, he is the beginning, and he is the firstborn. As we learn here in verse 18, it tells us he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. So he had preeminence over creation, the natural world that we see, but he also has preeminence over his church in the spiritual world that we come in to play with as believers in Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the head, verse 18. He's the head of the body, the church. And just as Jesus was, is involved in creation, the physical realm, he now shows us that he's involved in the spiritual realm. And that is the head of his church. In Ephesians 1, and 23, he put all things under his feet. He gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, and the fullness of him who fills in all things. And so the head refers to that which controls, right? You think of the head, the headship of Christ. We, I titled this whole study in Colossians, the headship of Christ, Christ over all things. And the head, you think of your mind. Uh, it tells you what to do, your fingers, your toes, to, to run, to walk. You know, you're eating food. What if your mouth decided it would refuse to open when you were bringing the fork toward your mouth. It could have a bad 
collision and some great pain. Or if your body refuses to work. Christ is over us all as a head. I was out working. My daughter and wife were both telling me to, it's too hot, don't work so hard. And I was messing with the parking lot out there, as you can see the barricades in the parking lot this week. And so I was out there on Friday. I wanted to finish up, and I did. But it was really hot. It got to, what, 90 degrees. It was really hot. And so as I got the asphalt down, and I was only doing a section at a time, I began tamping, and suddenly this left bicep quit working. It froze up on me because it cramped, and my right forearm started cramping. And here I am trying to lift a tool with two of my muscles saying, no, you're not doing this anymore. And I said, yes, we are doing this. And I just shook them off, and I got through the day. But I had parts of my body refusing to, to work with me. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but it's happened for me. Perhaps you get a toe cramp. You know, Suddenly you get a toe that's just bending down on you, and it's killing you. And you know, you, you're just sitting there, and all of a sudden your toe decides it's going to do its own thing. That's how the body of Christ sometimes is for our Lord. We decide we're going to do our own thing. And yet Christ is the head over all. He's the head of us, and it means that he has preeminence or he's supreme over his body, and we become then the expression of Jesus, his ears, his mouth, his hands, his feet, to a world that so desperately is in need of salvation that we can speak forth his wonderful words of life and do the work of ministry that he's called us to. Christ is the head, Colossians 1.10 that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being faithful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That, that is our position as the body of Christ. We're to walk worthy of the Lord because Christ is the head, fully pleasing him. Christ is also the beginning. There in verse 18, who is the beginning? And so the foundation of the church was built upon Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. It all hinges on the work of Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there would be no church. He single-handedly brought the church into existence. And I thought about that as I wrote those words. And I, I thought about, well, what about God the Father? And what about God the Holy Spirit? Yes, they're actively involved in the work of the church. But it was Christ Jesus who bore our sins upon the cross by himself. He paid the price of our sins. He was the one who died. He was the one who was buried, and he's the one that's resurrected back to life again. 1 John 1, 1, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which you have seen, and with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. It is he who is from the beginning. And although God the Father and God the Holy Spirit have been and are actively involved in the work of the church. It was Jesus who bore our sins in his own body upon that tree. Revelation 3.14 says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things. These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation or the creation of God. He is the beginning. He stands as the priority and it's the 
sense of that, not the beginning like the very first one created, but Christ again standing in priority in that position. He's also the firstborn, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So Christ is the head, the beginning, and the firstborn. And firstborn here refers to first in order. Now there were others that we read about in scripture who died and resurrected back to life. There are even those today that now with the capability of saving lives that we have, that there can be people who code, they die, and if not too much time passes, they can be brought back. Never do we have a testimony today of uh, someone like Lazarus who is in the grave for four days, and they brought him back from the dead. By four days, they've already got you embalmed, and you're, you're out of here. You're not coming back ever again. But we read about in the Bible, even have examples of it today, of people coming back from the dead, but they come back from the dead to die all over again. Jesus resurrected back to life to never die again. He resurrected back to life to never face death again, but to live forevermore. And so Jesus told Lazarus' sisters in John eleven twenty five through 27, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she answered, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into this world. And so the position of Christ, he is our head, he is the beginning, and he is the firstborn. And finally, the peace of Christ, verses 19 through 20, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Again, we have these prepositions concerning Jesus in him, by him, uh, by him repeated twice there. It's all about the work of Jesus. And he brings about the peace of Christ. The work that he wrought was in order that we could come into fellowship with him, that we might know peace. So it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. This Greek word for fullness can be best described as Thanksgiving dinner. When you eat more than you know you should, and then they bring the desserts out. There's usually not one dessert, right? There's several. And so you eat more than you know you should have. You're stuffed, you're full, you push back from the table, and then here comes the desserts, and you say, well, I shouldn't, and you have two or three pieces of dessert. You're filled to gluttony, right? It's just you feel miserable after you put all that in you. You're filled up and there's no more room to go in. And that's the idea of this Greek word. It means uh, repletion or completion that you're filled to overflowing. There's nothing more. In him all the fullness should dwell. That Christ is complete in every aspect. Nothing more to be added. He is complete in all things. Colossians 2, 9 and 10, Paul continues on this theme in the next chapter. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him 
who is the head of all principality and power. So in Christ, the fullness dwells. And Jesus is nothing lacking in Jesus Christ. And that can't be said of us, but it can be said of Jesus. There's nothing lacking. And apart from Christ, we lack in a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But it is Christ who has come in the fullness of all things to allow us to be part of that fellowship, to come into fellowship. In other words, Christ is complete in all things, and in Christ we are made complete. Ephesians 3.19 says, To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, we can have that capacity. I think I'm being filled with the fullness of God. I don't think all the fullness of God is quite there yet. But we're all a work in progress, right? But one day we will stand perfected before our Lord because of the work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, all the fullness dwells. By Jesus, all things are reconciled. Verse 20, for by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on the earth or things in heaven. And so the work of Jesus not only restricted to this earth itself, but also the heavens. We might say the heavens and all that exists, the powers and principalities, those things that are seen and unseen. I remember my dad preaching years ago saying that if there is aliens out there, that Christ died for them as well. That Paul expands from the earth into the heavens here in verse 20, whether things on the earth or in the heaven. And we cannot disconnect verse 20 from verse 19. It says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him. It not only pleased the Father to have Christ, all the fullness should dwell. He's complete in every aspect, but also that Jesus would become the reconciler of all things. By Jesus, we are reconciled back into fellowship with the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God working through Christ, he's reconciled the world back to the Father, us back to the Father through Christ, but also as believers in Jesus Christ now, the Lord has given us the spirit of reconciliation. He has given us the responsibility to be his hands, his feet, his mouth, his ears, that we might be the reconcilers. I throw ears in there because there's not a lot of action with the ears, right? Except for listening. And I've learned sometimes that to help in situations, sometimes it's better to be quiet and to listen, to hear the person who's speaking to you, what they're saying, rather than just, you know, I have my five steps of coming to faith, and I'm just going to read this off to you without really listening to the person that you're witnessing to. And so we're to be all that. And sometimes it's not by our mouth and by the words that we speak, but it's by our actions, by our walk, by our hands, and the things that we do that will win others to Christ. 
but we then have been committed to the word of reconciliation. So having been reconciled as part of the body of Christ, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And then through Jesus, finally, there is peace having made peace through the blood of his cross. And the Bible twice tells us, once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. And in the New Testament, it's Hebrews 20, or 9.22, Hebrews 9.22, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so peace has come through the blood of the cross. Peace with God does not come by way of our birthright, our position in this life, how good we are. And most people believe that. I'm going to go to heaven because I'm good. Peace comes by way of our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, the work that he did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God, but it's through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus has not only provided this peace, he is our peace. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18, he himself is our peace, who has made both one, has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, that he came and preached peace to you who are far off and those who are near, for through him we have access by one spirit to the Father. He speaks about the Jews and the Gentiles, those who are near, those who are far off, but he's broken down the wall of separation, not only Um, between Jew and Gentile, that they could be brothers and sisters through Christ Jesus. But the wall of separation between man and God, that Christ has broken that wall of separation, that through the Spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ, we have peace. And so today we've seen the personage of Christ, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, God's representative to mankind is also the firstborn or first in position or supremacy over all his creation. In verses 16 through 17, the profession of Christ. Jesus created all. All was created through him, for him, and in him all things consist. Verse 18, the position of Christ. He is the head, the beginning, and the firstborn. In verses 19 and 20, the peace of Christ In Jesus, all the fullness dwells. By Jesus, all things are reconciled. And through Jesus, there is peace. And Paul teaches us here that Christ is preeminent over all things, over his creation, but also over his church. And as his church is God's representative now, Christ being God's representative to mankind, and we, the body of Christ, 
being the expression of Jesus, we become his ears, his mouth, his hands, his feet to reach a world that is in desperate need of his salvation, to know his peace. And Father, thank you so much for your word that you've given us today here in Colossians chapter 1. And I pray, Lord, that it would just be an encouragement to us to know that Christ is in all and over all, and that, Lord, that you are in control of all things. And Father, we thank you that you are holding all things together, and we thank you, Lord, that even in our own lives, this is true, that without you, Lord, things would fall apart. We need you, and we cry out to you this morning. Whether, Lord, we're crying out in faith, never believing, never receiving you, Lord, and we want to do that today, Lord, we want to give opportunity for those who have never received Jesus as their Savior to come forward to receive you this day. Or perhaps, Lord, we're just in the midst of some, just some heavy battles that is going on. It could be physical or spiritual or emotional, Lord, but we want to just cry out to you, Lord, that you're overall, and we're crying out for your peace this day to rule over our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.